Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. And now let's join our guest speaker. I told him I've never used a mic like this. It's usually a wraparound or a handheld, so we're trying something new this morning. But it is an honor and a privilege to be with you guys this morning. I actually am going to call my dad as soon as service ends and tell him that I'm going to start looking for houses up in Lynchburg, Virginia, because we don't have a breakfast spread like that in Seven Lakes, and uh, he's going to have to find a new campus coordinator, unfortunately. So any real estate agents this morning, come find me after service, because I know the Holy Spirit is here when I see pancakes at the front door. Amen? Amen. Well, just a little bit about me before we get into it. My name is Joshua Cox, and uh, my parents were here uh, two weeks ago, and I, I, I warned the uh, elders and the staff here that, you know, you guys already got the wisdom, but hopefully I can bring some, some passion and some energy because my parents are just, I, I am so blessed to have the parents that I have, and really every single day I have to, to count that blessing because my sister, uh, Jessica, who is in attendance with me today, she and I, we, have, we truly do have some of the best parents in the world. And we really don't have any excuse. <laughs> and so, um, but I am from, born and raised Pinehurst, North Carolina. I went to school at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte and uh, never thought that I would leave Charlotte once I got there because you, you, w- you, wouldn't, leave UNC Char- or you wouldn't leave Charlotte to come back to Moore County. Because Charlotte has everything, and all Moore County has is golf and retired people. And so I was in my car, and I was like, I was like, God, why am I driving back to Moore County right now? I don't understand what I'm doing right now, but God has shown me time and time again why I needed to come back home to Moore County. And one of those was because my mom did undergo a sickness. Uh, she had she was diagnosed with myelofibrosis, which is a uh, it's a rare blood disorder. Um, basically, her bone marrow stopped making good blood. And my parents were in Chapel Hill for nine months. And so I didn't know why I was driving home from, UN, uh, from Charlotte to come back to Moore County, but God showed me that I needed to come home so that I could take care of my little brother and my little sister. And so his ways are always higher than our ways. Amen? Amen. Well, during 2017, with that said about my my mother's sickness, we did, our family went through one of the toughest years that we have ever faced and probably will ever face, but it, it, and it was one of the toughest, but it was also a time where we got to see God's hand over our lives the most, and so I actually, I wrote this message over the course of that time while she was at the hospital and even uh, finished it up, um, you know, during some of the stuff she went through. Went, uh, went through and uh, actually came back and, and getting to talk to her. And uh, I really do feel like today that this message can touch each and every one of us, myself included, in a personal way. Amen? So the title of the message today is It's Time to Break Free. Turn to your neighbor and say, It's Time to Break Free this morning. Before we get into the Word, I do want to pray over us, though, so if you could join me in prayer. Amen. Father, we thank You. God, we thank You for, God, first and foremost, for, for You. God. God, we pray and ask for Your Holy Spirit to come this morning, God. God, I pray that 
I would get out of the way so that He could come, God, and so that He could speak to each and every one of us individually this morning, God. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your truth. God, I pray that we lean on nothing else but the Word of God, the only truth that we possess. God, I pray this morning that You open our eyes, God. You open our ears. But most importantly, You open our hearts. God, I pray that You come and touch us each in a personal way. And God, I pray that whatever stronghold that we're dealing with this morning, that in the name of Jesus, God, Your powerful name, that it would break off this morning. God, because the only stronghold that I want in my life, and I know that this community here in Cornerstone Community Church wants, the only stronghold we want is to be You, God. That's the only stronghold we want on our lives. And so, God, we lift You up, we praise You, and we thank You. Everybody said, Amen. So if you would, open up your Bibles to Genesis 27. And I am going to read a heavy chunk of Scripture this morning. One of the ways that I like to read the Bible for myself is I like to insert myself into the story. Rather than reading it from the outside, I like to dive in and get relational with the character. So if you could uh, open up to Genesis 27. This is Jacob steals Esau's blessing, which I think is a very fascinating story. And I want to walk us through it this morning. And even I want you guys personally to dive in this story with me. And I am reading out of the New Living Translation. I'm not sure. I, I guess we got NASB here, but it, it will all work out. So, One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son. Yes, father, Esau replied. I am an old man now, Isaac said, and I don't know when I may die. Take your bow and a quiver full of arrows and go out into the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. But Rebekah overheard what Isaac had said to his son Esau. So when Esau left to hunt for the wild game, she said to her son Jacob, Listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, Bring me some wild game and prepare me a delicious meal. Then I will bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now my son, listen to me. Do exactly as I tell you. Go out to the flocks and bring me two fine young goats. I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish. Then take the food to your father so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. But look, Jacob replied to Rebekah, my brother Esau is a hairy man, and my skin is smooth. What if my father touches me? He'll see that I'm trying to trick him, and then he'll curse me instead of blessing me. But his mother replied, then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the wild goats for me. Now Esau must have been a very hairy guy. (laughs) I got a little bit of hair on me, but not like that. Not where I would need goats to cover, goat skin to cover it up. My dad, whenever I was younger, in order to get me to eat my vegetables, he would say, Josh, if you eat your vegetables, it'll put hair on your chest. And as a seven-year-old boy, you're like, I don't want hair on my chest, Dad. Like, <laughs> that is not an, an incentive to make me want to eat my vegetables at all. I'm like, I'm like dude, I'm seven years old. <laughs> like, you are not, I'm, I'm scraping my vegetables in, in the trash can as he says that. Let's get back in the, in the story. 
But his mother replied, Then let the curse fall on me, my son. Just do what I tell you. Go out and get the wild goats for me. So Jacob went out and got the young goats for his mother. Rebekah took them and prepared a delicious meal just the way Isaac liked it. Then she took Esau's favorite clothes, which were there in the house, and gave them to her younger son, Jacob. She covered his arms and the smooth part of his neck with the skin of the young goats. Then she gave Jacob the delicious meal, including freshly baked bread. So Jacob took the food to his father. My father, he said. Yes, my son, Isaac answered. Who are you, Jacob or Esau or Jacob? Jacob replied, It's Esau, your firstborn son. I've done as you told me. Here is the wild game. Now sit up and eat it so you can give me your blessing. Isaac asked, How did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God put it in my path, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Come closer so I can touch you and make sure that you really are Esau. So Jacob went closer to his father, and Isaac touched him. The voice is Jacob's, but the hands are Esau's, Isaac said. He did not recognize Jacob because Jacob's hands felt hairy, just like Esau's. So Isaac prepared to bless Jacob. But are you really my son, Esau? he asked. Yes, I am, Jacob replied. Then Isaac said, Now, my son, bring me the wild game. Let me eat it, and then I will give you my blessing. So Jacob took the food to his father, and Isaac ate it. He also drank the wine that Jacob served him. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come a little closer and kiss me, my son. So Jacob went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced, and he blessed his son. He said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. From the dew of heaven and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvest of grain and bountiful new wine. May many nations become your servants, and may they bow down to you. May you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. All who curse you will be cursed. And all who bless you will be blessed. As soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob, and almost before Jacob had left his father, Esau returned from his hunt. Esau prepared a delicious meal and brought it to his father. Then he said, sit up, my father, and eat my wild game so you can give me your blessing. But Isaac asked him, who are you? Esau replied, it's your son, your firstborn son, Esau. Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, Then who just served me wild game? I have already eaten it, and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, the blessing must stand. When Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. He said, Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too, he begged. But Isaac said, Your brother was here, and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. How crazy must it have been for Esau to come home from his hunt to see Jacob and Isaac there and to get robbed of what was rightfully his in that moment with the bow and arrow. He probably could have killed both of them. And he finds out that his blessing has been stolen. And so my first point today, this morning, is it hurts when you do everything that you were supposed to do 
only to watch somebody else get what you thought that you deserved. And I, wanna, I want each and every one of you this morning to put yourself in the place of Esau because I believe that in, in some form or way we can all relate to what he has gone through in this story. And I know I, I, I can definitely relate to Esau as the older son. And one, and one thing that I really like to do is I'm, I'm very into to physical fitness. And since I turned 18, I'm 25, about to be 26 now. I've been on this journey of trying to put on muscle and to get in shape and to eat right. But I have a little brother who's five years younger than me. His name is Jacob. <laughs> this story is meant for us. But I started working out when I was 18. And I got him into the gym when he was 14. And now I'm glad that Jacob's not with us this morning because I, he makes me look like, I have to introduce him as my little big brother because he is 240 pounds of solid muscle. And it's like no matter how hard I work out, I could work out for five, six days a week and he could work out for two or three. He just puts on more muscle than I do. And I try to eat perfect. If I see a donut sometimes, I feel like I gain five pounds. And he, no lie, will eat Oreos in bed at night, just shoveling them down. And he wakes up in the morning and he's like, man, Josh, I don't know what's going on, man. I just keep getting more ripped. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know what's going on, man. Like, I guess it's, God just blessed me with these genetics, man. It's annoying. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, it's annoying. <laughs> and you know, that one's kind of funny. And uh, last summer at... Uh, Grace. There's two campuses. The, the main campus is Southern Pines, and then uh, my dad pastors a smaller campus out in the Seven Lakes area. But between the two campuses, there was like a historical amount of weddings. <laughs> and I actually had just gotten out of a relationship. And so here I am, the single guy, getting invited to four, I think probably five weddings in a row, like back to back to back. <laughs> and I was thinking like I was going to marry the girl that I was with before and I completely see how God's hand was was not on that and it's a, it's a good thing now but but as the single guy in that situation going to all these weddings I was like oh yeah I'm so happy for you I'm so excited for you to get married that was supposed to be my wedding I don't know why this bonehead is getting married right now it's annoying but I want you guys this morning to put yourself in these situations cuz maybe it's a job Maybe you feel like someone got a promotion that you deserved. I know when I came home, when I turned 22, I was still in school at UNC Charlotte, and God put the calling on my heart to become a pastor. I knew that I wanted to become a pastor, but what I found out is it doesn't come as quickly as you may want it. And I've had to watch other guys, and I'm like, really? He, he gets to be the pastor before me? Are you serious? Are you serious? And, and really, I wasn't ready for it. But I want you guys, again, to just to put your... Because I feel like we can all relate to Esau. And I'll give you another example, because those are kind of funny. But my sister's friend, her name's Sophie. And by all accounts, Sophie is one of the most physically gifted teenagers probably in this country. She was uh, one of the top gymnasts, not only in the state of North Carolina, but in the entire country. I think she was top 10 in the country for her age group at one time. And she started playing volleyball at the high school in our hometown, Pinecrest High School. And she bypassed the freshman team. As a freshman, she bypassed the freshman team 
played JV. She would have played varsity, but they don't allow you as a freshman to play varsity. And she was even the best player on JV. So I was super excited for her when I was talking to her. She was over at the house one day. And I said, Sophie, it's got to be so awesome to have this, you've had this great volleyball season. And like you're, I mean, who knows? I'm sure colleges are already looking at you. And I've just heard that, that you've been killing it out on the court. And she said, Josh, I wish that I could tell you that my volleyball season was great. But after every game, I had to watch the other girls get congratulated by their mom and dad, even the girls on the bench that didn't get any playing time. Their parents came down and loved on them immediately after the game. And unfortunately, my dad, he likes alcohol more than he likes coming to my volleyball games. And it hurts. And I almost don't even want to play volleyball anymore. And maybe that's your situation. Maybe in here you have an addiction to, to something or maybe you know a, a sin problem that you feel like you just can't break free from. Whatever that is, I feel like every single one of us can relate to Esau in some form. And what happens when we start, we start comparing our situations to others, we start to get bitter, we start to get angry, I feel like that's Esau right here in this moment. Esau, in verse 36, exclaimed, No wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine. What else is left for me to give you, my son? Esau pleaded, But do you have only one blessing, O oh, my father? Bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. Finally, his father Isaac said to him, You will live away from the richness of the earth and away from the dew of the heaven above. I would have stopped him right there and been like, what kind of blessing are you putting over me right now? He says, you will live by your sword and you will serve your brother. You mean the brother that just stole my blessing? Are you, are you kidding me right now? But th- this is what I want you guys to get a hold of this morning. Is, But when you decide to break free, when you decide to break free, you will shake his yoke from your neck. Cornerstone Community Church, if I can teach you guys one thing this morning, is that when we decide to break free, when we decide to break free and surrender it over to God, we can shake any yoke of bondage from our necks. Amen? Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to break free. I want to continue in on this journey because when I wrote this sermon, I had to keep reading because I couldn't just leave it with that. I was like, well, you know, I got to find out what happened to Esau. I got to find out where Jacob goes with this blessing that he just stole from his brother. And I was reading in Genesis 32, and this is the more familiar, the more preached passage. 
Jacob, where Jacob wrestles with God. And I was reading that verse. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Most of you guys probably know, I will not let you go until you bless me. But then I was thinking about what just had happened in Genesis 27. Wasn't Jacob already blessed? Hadn't he just stolen the blessing from Esau? Which tells me, church, is that we could be so blessed and still walk with the yoke of bondage around our necks because we don't even know how blessed we truly are. Amen? Amen? Even if God never does another good thing for us, He has already done more than we could ever deserve. Because we don't, we don't deserve it. What we deserve really is His wrath. And instead, He pours out His love and His grace and His mercy if we surrender to Him. And so He has given us more than we could ever deserve. And I spoke a little bit earlier about how my mom, in 2017, she got diagnosed with uh, myelofibrosis. Uh, basically, her bone marrow stopped producing, stopped making good blood. She got diagnosed early in 2017, around February, and the journey really didn't end until about March 2018, is when uh, February, March 2018 is when she actually got to come home. And so just all over a year-long journey of her having to be in the hospital away from her family, away from her daughter who had just started high school. But she never once said, why me? My mom never once, I never heard those words come out of her mouth. God, why me? Why am I in this situation? God, why is my health not right right now? God, why me? That never came out of her mouth, not a single time. And I think it's, and I I don't think, I know it's because she knows how blessed she truly is because no matter what happens, no matter what would have happened in that hospital, because she has salvation from her Lord and Father, there is nothing on this earth that would ever be able to rob her and steal her of her glory, church. And if we can get behind that, Nothing on this earth will be able to stop us because, and I, it's funny because this morning I was, God gave me a word when I woke up and He said, I've already won. Josh, you don't, He even said, Josh, you don't have to prove anything in this message because I've already won. I just want you to tell Cornerstone Community Church that I have, that I have already won and it is time to break free because I am the one, only one who can set you free. Amen? Amen. Who wants to find out about Esau, though? So, in Genesis 33, this is the the great reunion between Jacob and Esau. And, you know, anytime my little brother steals something from me, you know, he'll always try to butter me up. And so, what Jacob does is he sends gifts ahead to Esau because he's trying to find favor. He probably thinks, all right, my brother and I are about to reunite. He's going to kill me because I stole him of his blessing. And so he starts to send gifts ahead to find favor with his older brother. And then we see in Genesis 33, it says, Then Jacob looked up and said, there was a, a big reuniting between the two. It says, Then Jacob looked up and he saw Esau coming with his 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and his two servant wives. He put the servant wives and their children at the front, 
Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then Jacob went on ahead as he approached his brother. He bowed to the ground seven times before him. Check this out. Then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him, and they both wept. Man. Esau doesn't sound like someone who isn't living a blessed life. He showed no anger and he wasn't acting bitter towards his brother. And so I wrote this point down is when you can embrace the very thing that hurt you, it's a good indication that the yoke isn't on you anymore. And I've had to do that in my life and I'm sure that you guys have had to do that in your life. Uh, whether it's through relationships or maybe an addiction, or whatever it is. And maybe there's something that you're struggling with this morning, because we still, we all have struggles, and maybe some are smaller and bigger than others. But I do, I encourage you this morning to remember that it, it takes that action from us, because you have to decide to let it go. And that might not be a one-time thing, like, all right, God, you know, I know this this relationship did me wrong, so I'm just going to let it go. You might have to do it every single day and remember that God is in control, that His thoughts are higher than our thoughts, and that His plan is ultimately greater than our plan. I, I, I spoke earlier about how I, you know, I, I felt this calling when I was 22 to be a pastor, and it's funny, when I did come home from Charlotte, within two weeks, um, I was at a church conference uh, at Mana Church in Fayetteville, and my youth leader from when I was in high school approached me, and he said, Josh, I'm going to plant a church in Colorado. Um, Man what Mana Church does is they plant churches along the military highway because they're trying to make the military highway a hard place to go to hell. And so he's like, we're going to go to Colorado Springs. I want you to come with me. I want you to be my number two guy, and I actually I want to train you up so that you can plant a church, another church in Colorado. And so I'm like, all right, God, I know why I came home from Charlotte now. This is going to be awesome. I'm going to be a pastor. I'm going to get to do exactly what I want to do. And I remember going to the interest meetings, and I was all in. I was ready to go. And the third interest meeting, I remember leaving from Fayetteville, driving back home, and there was no peace in my heart about going to Colorado anymore. And I was like, God, what in the world is going on? Like, I'm not searching after bad things. <laughs> like, that was old Josh. I'm I'm trying to seek you, and I'm trying to walk in this calling that you and you alone put on my heart. I don't understand what's going on. Three months after, and I, I knew that night that I wasn't going to be able to go. I just I knew that his peace wasn't on me going to Colorado. I didn't understand, and I was mad, and I was angry. But three months after that night, my mom came into my room and told me that she had been diagnosed with myelofibrosis. And so what God was having to tell me, even though I was looking around during that time and I was seeing my friends become pastors and I felt like someone was robbing me of my blessing because I wasn't getting to step into you know, my calling at that time, I realized that I needed to stay home and I couldn't go to Colorado because I had to be a pastor to my little sister and to my little brother at home. 
In Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So if I can encourage you guys in one area this morning, it's that you have to lean, and you guys know this, and, and trust that His way is higher in your way. His plan is better than your plan. Because my plan at the time was to go. And that might have, that wasn't a bad thing, but sometimes the good thing isn't always the God thing. Amen? Amen. The God thing was for me to stay home during that time. And He taught me how to be a pastor more from obedience and staying with my brother and sister and taking care of my household than I ever would have learned going to Colorado. Amen? Amen. And so, with this application, I also want to challenge you guys as a community because what I believe is people who are freed are supposed to help free people. Free people, free people, amen? And so, one of the verses that has become just a lifeline to me is Joshua 1.3. This is the beginning of Joshua, and it says, Everywhere, Just as I told Moses, this is God speaking to Joshua. He says, Everywhere that you step foot, I have given to you. And so right now, my current profession is I work at the tax office in Moore County. So my dad calls me tax collector Josh. I, I, I actually am the taxpayer advocate, though. I try to help people out. You know what I mean? Do the best that I can. But I was like, All right, God, you have put me in this position as a tax appraiser in Moore County. People do not want to see me come to their door, but I want to spread your gospel to everyone that I come across. And he gave me that verse, Joshua 1.3, that everywhere that you step foot, Josh, I have given to you. And I was just, I was like, alright God, I'm going to pray this verse everywhere that I go. And God, I want you to move in a big way. And it's crazy because people do, they see me coming their way and they're like, oh no, no, no I don't want the tax guy here. Like They're ready to get their guns out. But as they begin to, to talk to me, they begin to get vulnerable. And I've seen God break down some walls and just use me. All I do is pray, God, you've given me this ground. I'm, I want to be your hands and feet. I want to be a light for you this morning. Use me in whatever way you can. I, on my job site as a tax collector, I've prayed for people that have cancer. I've prayed for people that their finances are in turmoil. And we, we, we shifted from talking about... <laughs> the tax situation to how can God help you in this moment in your life? What can I pray for you about? Amen? And so if I can encourage you in one way to, to take, you know, you guys here, I believe this is a strong community of believers, but it's your job to reach this Lynchburg area and the surrounding areas. And so as free people, we need to go out and free people. So apply that verse, Joshua 1.3, to your life. Everywhere that you step foot, God has given to you. And just one other verse that I believe is a, it's just been maybe the most powerful, had, had the most powerful impact on my life is Philippians 4.6, which is don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and praise Him for all that He has done. And I remember so, growing up in, throughout high school and college, anytime I would, I would want advice, 
anytime I'd need advice, I'd go to my mom and I'd say, Mom, I'm, I'm struggling with this situation. Mom, I'm struggling with this relationship. I need your help. And she'd always say, Joshua, go read Philippians 4, 6. Every single time, I promise you, she never gave me... I wanted a definitive answer. I wanted a yes or a no. Or I wanted her to actually help me with this situation. And even through college, I'd call her. I'd say, Mom, I'm going through this breakup right now. I'm going through this situation. I can't find a job right now. I need you to help me. And she would say, Josh, go read Philippians 4, 6. And I was like, Mom, I'm going to stop coming to you for advice because every single time you keep sending me back to Philippians 4, 6, I don't want that answer. I want you to help me out. I want you to give me the answers. And it's crazy because when she was in the hospital, my stress level was up to here. I didn't know how I was going to be able to take care of my little brother and my little sister. There was a period of time where uh, the week of Thanksgiving, we went to the hospital three times where we were told that she was going to die that night. I remember praying, or I remember my little brother and sister both crying in my chest outside of her room. And I just looked up at God and I said, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to take care of them. I don't have any strength and I'm going to need you to give me strength. And he reminded me of that verse that my mom told me, Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And I just began to pray and cry out to God. And just say, God, I need you to take my worries. I need you to take my anxiety. I need you to take my fear away from me. And I, I promise, right there in that moment, He just lifted it. And He taught me how to rely on Him. And then I looked back and I saw what my mom had done for all those years is she wasn't going to give me an answer. That was too easy. She was going to point me. She was always pointing me to the answer. Amen, church? Amen. So, with Philippians 4.6 and with Joshua 1.3, I believe that those are both verses, New Testament and Old Testament, that we can take and we can apply to our everyday lives. You pray and ask God, for peace in your life. Because as Christians, we do. We have to look different to the outside. We can't let the stress and the worry and the anxiety of this world be a stronghold on our life because we know that we can go to God and He can take it away. I'm not saying that days are going to be easy and everything's always... Our, our last year was crazy. But in the midst of that, people came up to us and asked us, "How? why are you guys so peaceful through this situation? We had nurses and, and doctors that didn't understand why we were able to go about this situation with such a peace in our heart. And then also the Joshua 1.3. I'm telling you, my, my dad applied that to the hospital room. And if you guys have that picture, if you could put that picture up on the screen. This was my mom right around that week, uh, Thanksgiving week. And that is her nurse, Abby. And Abby is young, probably 24 25. She's a nurse in the oncologist wing at Chapel Hill. I mean, one of the top hospitals in the nation. She was about, she's about to get married. She's probably getting close to her wedding date now. And by all accounts, her life on the outside looks perfect. And here is my mom who has had to go through several amounts of chemo, back-to-back -back bone marrow transplants, 
every single medication that you could ever be on. She's got cords and tubes hanging out of her body. And in this picture, I mean, she's as close to death as you possibly could be. And what it looks like is that Abby is the one that is walking in freedom. And it looks like my mom is the one that is cursed. But until my mom got into that hospital room, Abby did not know the Lord. And so no matter what the outside situation looks like, no matter what the circumstance, my mom, again, knew her blessing. She knew that she was overly blessed and that even if God were to take her right there in that moment, it would have been better because she would have been with her Heavenly Father and she would be away from this world. But because her and my dad, they applied Joshua 1.3, everywhere that you step foot, I have given to you. And I even talked to my mom recently. I said, Mom, in that moment, do you remember anything that happened in that hospital? Do you remember anything? The, the chemo will destroy your cognitive function. I was like, I just wanted to know if you even remembered seeing us while we were there. And she said, Josh, I don't really remember anything, but I remember praying one prayer. And my prayer was this, Lord, help me to help you in all that I do. Lord, help me to help you in all that I do. And because every single time Abby would come into the room, my dad was reading his Bible, we took communion together, we laid hands on my mom every single hour of the day. She was immersed with the presence of God. And and after my mom left the hospital, Abby, which I don't even think she's allowed to do this, texted my dad and said, I'm not even allowed to text you right now. But I just want you to know that because you guys came into the hospital, and I understand it was a terrible circumstance, I have seen the hand of God like I've never seen before, and I want to follow Him the rest of my life. Amen, church? We are so, so blessed. Amen? Because we have salvation. There is nothing on this earth that can take us down. And so I just want to pray for you as a congregation today. But I do want to pray for anybody in here who might feel like they don't have a relationship with God. In Romans 10, verse 9, it says that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. And so I want to pray two prayers this morning. I want to pray for those who might feel like they don't have that relationship, that assurance of salvation. But I also want to pray for you guys as a church that we would go out and we would be the free people that help free people for the kingdom. If you guys could join me in prayer. God, we lift you up this morning. God, again, we just praise you. God, you are so worthy of all of our praise. God, I pray for anybody in this room, God, who may be struggling, God, just to know you, God. They, they might, if anybody's in here this morning and they're not assured that they are going to be with you in heaven uh, when their life passes. God, in your word it says that tomorrow is not promised. So God, I just pray for that person. God, it is not a prayer that I can pray that can save them, God, but your Holy Spirit, God, I pray that your Holy Spirit right now, God, will fall down on anyone in this room and God, that they would receive God. Your love. Maybe for the first time this morning, God, I pray 
that if anybody, because the first part of walking in freedom, God, is a relationship with you. So, God, I pray for every single heart, every single soul this morning, God. But I pray for this church community, God. God, I pray that they would be a people who would go out into this Lynchburg area and the surrounding areas, God, and they would take the blessing of salvation, God, the freedom that You have granted them, and they would use it to free, help free and to love and to take care of everyone in this community. But God, we can't do it without You, God. And Your Word promises that You will be with us wherever we go. And so God, I just thank You, and again, I praise You. God, may we stay close to You. God, may we pray to You more often and worry less. God, we love You and we thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for having me here. This has honestly felt like home to me. And I just, I, I appreciate it. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to this message from Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com Contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.